0: All right, before I get to my next guest, Hal Sutton, I want to give a shout out to one of our new sponsors, Squares Golf. Are you like me, always considering new golf equipment, maybe a new driver? I'll tell you what, let me reset your thinking because I discovered Squares Golf Shoes. The patented square toe provides balance, stability, and a wider base for increased connection to the ground, effectively increasing your swing speed by 2.2 miles per hour, an average of 9 yards of distance. Independent tests prove it. That's right. It's proven in science. Go to Squares.com, that's dot com, and get Squares 30-day money back guarantee. Use promo code DISTANCE for $20 off. Remember, distance comes from swing speed and swing speed comes from your connection to the ground. And folks, I wouldn't tell you about it if I didn't experience it for myself. I've never felt more stable in my golf swing, which allows me to swing faster and launch it further. Squares, the distance golf shoe. I also want to give a shout-out to another new sponsor, Bionic Loves. Do what you do better with Bionic Loves. Whether you're looking to own the golf greens, improve your workouts, or get your hands dirty in the garden, Bionic Loves has you covered. Designed with a hand specialist, Bionic Loves feature patented innovations that help improve your grip. The strategically placed anatomical relief pads also prevent calluses and blisters, while the web and motion zones allow for greater dexterity and flexibility. Head over to BionicLoves.com to find the perfect love to up your game. And this segment of the show is sponsored by our friends over at the PGA TOUR Superstore. This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA TOUR Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA TOUR Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATOURSuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show. All right. Now back with me is a guy who's become a wonderful friend over the last year and whose insights on this show on Twitter through his own new podcast, which is called Be the Right Podcast Today, which is fantastic, folks. You can watch and subscribe to it on his YouTube page, How Sudden Golf Academy. And you can give Hal a follow on Twitter at How Sudden Golf. And for those of you who haven't joined me before when Hal's been a part of the show and you may not remember, How great a career Hal Sutton had on the golf course. Let me remind you, 1980 College Golf Player of the Year, won 14 college golf tournaments, was a two-time All-American, led Centenary to the NCAA Tournament, was a two-time Trans-American Athletic Conference Player of the Year, won the 1980 U.S. Amateur Championship, turned pro in 81, got his first win in 82 at the Walt Disney World Classic in a playoff over Bill Britton, that year was named the TOUR's Rookie of the Year. 1983, he was named the PGA Player of the Year after winning the Players Championship for the first time and then the PGA Championship. 1998, he won the TOUR Championship here in Atlanta. 2000, he won the Players for a second time, this time by one stroke over uh, Tiger Woods. He captained the 2004 U.S. Ryder Cup team. He backed up his 14 wins in college with 14 more wins on the PGA Tour. I have that he finished 18 times. Had 135 top tens, 239 top 25. The guy should definitely be in the World Golf Hall of Fame. But I'll tell you what, I am honored and privileged to have him back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Hal, how are you, my friend?
1: I'm great, Chris. Thanks for uh, having me on. And I was having a down day till you read all that stuff. and made me feel a little better about my life. (laughs) Thank you for that. You definitely be there.
0: That's right. You should be sticking your chest out a little bit, my friend. You certainly earned the right to do that.
1: Well, um, I, I, my mother tries to keep me humble, and my wife does. But uh, anyway, you just built me back up. Thank you, Chris.
0: Absolutely, Hal. So, my friend, I, w- I want to start by congratulating you on your podcast. i tell you, Be the Right podcast today, you and, uh, and Chase Cooper, who's an instructor with you there at your academy, you guys do a great job. I've loved watching, you know, you get to watch your podcast because there's video as well, and it's over on your YouTube channel. Talk about your show.
1: Well, it's been fun. You know, we tried to make it a little bit different. We we did the first seven or eight where it was just Chase and I talking about things that were important to us. And, uh you know, we had our first guest last week, which was Peter Jacobson, who's been a longtime friend, and he was great. Uh you know, he's funny. He's, uh, he's truthful. He's, uh, he's just a great guy. And, uh, it was fun to get back and spend time with him. Uh, this week our guest is Brad Faxon. So, uh, you know, we're going to try to have some of my peers on there, uh, talking about golf and what's important to them.
0: I, I I want to switch gears because there's, there's so many great things that you've been involved with over the course of, of your career. And I recently watched a video about your longtime caddy, Freddie Burns and the relationship that, that you and your family had with Freddie. Do you mind sharing the story about how he became your caddy? No, not
1: at all. He, uh, you know, Freddie used to watch me in high school and, uh, he would come up to me after I finished and he said, how you're going to make it on the tour one day. And When you do, I want to be your caddy. And, you know, that was kind of cool for a guy to say that to a guy in high school. And uh, I would tell my dad about this guy and he was good. Freddie was a good player. And so my dad called him out of the blue one day and he said, you know, I really want you to come up here and visit with me about how. So He said, well, Mr. Sutton, I don't have a car. And he said, well, okay, you take a taxi, and I'll pay the taxi when you get up here. So my dad, he picked a time, and Freddie went to see my dad. and um, He said, you know, Hal's been telling me what all you've been talking about. He said, I'd really like for you. He said, I knew you caddied for a while at Shreveport Country Club. He said, I'd like for you to work for Hal for a a while. He said, I'll pay you for doing this. And, uh, let's just see where this goes. He said, you know, how could you use some help? And, uh, so anyway, long story short, uh, he said, well, Mr. Sutton, that'd be great. But he said, I don't have a car. He said, well, go look out the window out there. He said, I, I got a car for you. And, uh, so anyway, he, my dad gets in this car and he works for me through college, basically just watching me hit balls and shagging balls and catting for me while I was playing. And, you know, Talking to me about you know risk reward and things like that, and uh so when I finished college and got ready to turn pro, you know there Freddie was with me. We were already familiar with each other and knew what to expect out of each other and and we went on the rest of the way and uh you know it was a he'd been a friend you know forever. And, uh, he just lost his wife recently, which was really very sad, but, uh, Freddie's still cat in out on the champions tour. You know, when I quit, he said, well, how? he said, this is my life. This is all I know. And I said, well, Freddie, keep going. I said, I know somebody out there will hire you to, you, you've got a lot of wins under your belt, you know, and so Tom Pernice hired him and he's still going and, uh, 69 years old, still carrying a bag.
0: How talk about his belief in you and how important that was for you?
1: Well, Freddie, you know, Freddie believed in me. There's no doubt about that. You know, he he thought I was uh, a great driver of the ball. He thought I was a really good iron player. And he pushed me to win. You know, he didn't push me. You know, every time I got close to winning, he was pushing me to win. He wasn't pushing me to let's make a check. And, you know, you. This last weekend was a great example of that. You know, people don't remember who finishes second in the golf tournament. They they remember who wins. And I don't know if everybody noticed or not, but everybody except Harmon hit away from the pen on uh, number 17. You know, I was really shocked. I mean, Lee Westwood doesn't need the money or anything else. He needs a win, but he hit in the middle of the grade. He should have gone right for that flag, regardless of if he hit it in the water or anywhere else. He needed the win. And when he aimed it at the center of the greens, that's good enough. A second's good enough. And, you know, if I had a son, anybody out there listening, you know, you got to play to win. And that's the only thing people really remember. And if the tour has a downside to what they've done is they promoted making money instead of winning championships.
0: And it's it's interesting you say that because one of my favorite stories about Jack Nicklaus was he said he always played for the title and the trophies because when you win those, the money will come. It's, it almost seems like it may be a little bit of the inverse to that now. Is that true?
1: Well, Tiger Woods, when he came out there, he said, I play to win. And it offended a lot of people. You know, he was young. He hadn't learned yet. People thought, well, you don't respect the game enough. These people are really good. And Tiger, you know, admittedly said, you know, they are, but I am too, and I play to win, and I'm going to win. And he spent his whole life doing that. And, you know, you got to respect people like that. That was hard to listen to to begin with. But, you know, 50% of the people loved that, and 50% of the people didn't like that and didn't show he didn't think he was showing the proper respect for the people that had come in front of him. But I, I tell you, we all admire winners. And, um you know, 17 this last week is a great test of what do you want out of the game. And I, that's why I think that's one of the great holes in golf coming down the stretch. Do you have enough guts to aim it at the flag? And anyway. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: I understand. Um, and it's interesting that you make uh, make both of those points, Hal, because one thing that Mr. Nicholas always said and another, and I've had the privilege of, of spending some time with Mr. Player, is the, the ability to win a major. We've heard Mr. Nicholas say this a lot. Right? Only, there's only a few guys that think they're capable of winning a major and you can, when, you know, they actually may be the easiest ones to win. Because there's only a handful of guys you have to beat, is that what you observe throughout your career too?
1: Well, majors are hard to win because of the significance of the event itself and all the importance from the media side and from everybody's side. You know I mean, to be honest with you, the masters should be one of the easier tournaments to win because of the field size. And, uh, but yet it's super hard to win. And, you know, I never had a good record at, uh, Augusta at all. Played in a lot of them, but never, ever felt comfortable at Augusta. And I think there's been a lot of other people that felt that way. Trevino never felt comfortable at Augusta. One of the greatest players that ever hit a golf ball right there. And, um, uh, you know, I guess on some hands, you'd say they're easy to win, but on others, I found them pretty hard. The U.S. Open was never a very easy win. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hal, I want to get back to, um, to Freddie and, and you talked about how he, he said that, you know, you were a great driver and there's a story about, and, and I've heard you tell it and I hope you'll, you don't mind sharing it again on, uh, on this show. But when you are walking off from the 17th green over to the 18th tee, In 2000, Freddie said something to you that may also help you poke your chest out a little bit, made you feel a little bit better. Talk about what uh, your conversation with Freddie was during that long walk between the 17th green and the 18th tee.
1: Well, the minute I hold out on 17, Tiger had to make about an eight or ten foot birdie, a par putt to tie, and then I had to make about a three footer, a par putt, and so Tiger walked off in front of me, and Freddie stuck the pin in, and we're walking off together. And it's kind of interesting because the crowd is a long ways from you because of the island green. So, you know, the things that he and I were talking about weren't heard by anybody else, uh, and nor were they impaired by the noise of other people. So he started telling me as soon as we walked off the green, how are you the greatest driver of the ball you know you are you've got to drive it on this neck hole cuz I'd hit 3 wood the first 3 days and <clears throat> you know which was a better play, it was a safer play and uh but he knew that I needed to have the last shot in to uh you know he knew Tiger was going to probably hit his stinger 2 iron and and I couldn't not hit his stinger 2 iron with my 3 wood so he was encouraging me to hit driver and he was building me up at the same time to believe in myself to do it. And, you know, that's just who Freddie was and what Freddie stood for. And I had my mind on the driver anyway. But it's great when your caddy is supporting that. There was no difference of opinion there. And so you can, you know, when you pull the driver out, we, both of us, both the decision makers in that game believed in that. And that's, you know, 100% into it.
0: I want to get your thoughts, not necessarily on this past weekend's players tournament, but more um, mindset, because we've heard about Rory and uh, him potentially trying to make some changes to his swing, swing a little bit faster, get a little more ball speed, because he wanted to catch up with Bryson DeChambeau. And then we saw Rory, you know, you go back a couple of weeks, we saw Rory put two balls in the water on six at Bay Hill trying to hit it over the lake like Bryson did. Then he, he comes to the players, and he misses the cut after shooting 79-75. And, and Rory was already one of the longest drivers on tour. I mean, he led the, the tour in driving. He may be a little bit behind Bryson now. But I'm, I believe I've heard you talking about the dangers of watching someone else practice and then trying to do what they do. Talk about why that's a bad thing. Well,
1: I felt for a while that Rory wasn't being Rory. I felt he was trying to be what the world wanted him to be. And, you know, for a while now, everybody's been talking about he's not playing like he's capable of playing. And that's been talked about about a lot of people, you know. So I don't really pay a lot of attention to that, but I just got the sense that Rory was beginning to buy into it. and uh you know i made the statement about a month ago to chase and i really feel like rory is trying to be somebody who's not and uh when he came out this last week and i mean michael breed had me on his show and he asked me he said what would you tell rory if he walked in to your academy right now if he said what what would you do i said rory i'd tell him rory you need to put your phone away you need to put social media away you need to quit buying in and carrying what the rest of the world thought. You need to accept the brand that you are, who you are, be the best of who you can be, and string one good shot on top of another good shot on top of another good shot. And before too long, your confidence level will be so high. And, of course, Michael Breed said to me, he said, how you know, when you played, there wasn't social media and all this sort of stuff. And do you realize how hard that is? And I said, well, I didn't say it was easy, but this is one of the best players in the world. And so then he asked me about Bryson DeChambeau right behind that. And I said, you know, it's interesting, Michael, that you do that, that you asked me about Bryson DeChambeau. Because he's doing exactly what I just told you Rory needed to be doing. <laughs> he's told the Godfathers, I don't care what you think. I'm going to do this my way entirely, regardless of what you think. And guess who the world's watching right now? Bryson's the number one show in the game. So, you know, if, if Rory's listening, if he cares at all what anybody else thinks, I think he should become who he is, become his own brand, who he is. Don't follow anybody's lead. You set the mark on what people follow.
0: And I couldn't agree with that more. Now, now let's, let's take that a half a step further, Hal, because I don't think it's just Rory McIlroy. Right. I mean, that's anybody. I I would assume if you had a junior golfer coming in and you're out on the practice tee or coming into your academy and, and that person becomes enamored with the person next to them and trying to emulate what they're doing, then you're just sort of losing sight of yourself. You're becoming someone else and you're becoming someone that you're not. Isn't that a danger just for all of us?
1: Everybody out there today, my tweet was, do you know your brand? are you figuring out what your brand needs improving on and how you need to change it or if there what are the changes that are needed you know everybody needs to know who they are who their fingerprint is who their thumbprint is and become that remain that improve upon that but not try to change it entirely
0: how one more before i let you go and and uh on your show i heard uh, you and chase talking about positioning on the on the practice range, even for guys at your level on the PGA Tour. Some guys are going to stand on the left, and some guys are going to stand down on the right, and there's sort of a, a pecking order and a reason why the guys are, that are there that are on the left, and there's a reason why the guys are there are on the right. Do you mind sharing that?
1: Well, it's not always the case, but I will tell you this. The majority of the people on the PGA Tour and in golf are right-handed players. And that means that the further left you walk, everybody's back is to you. And when you don't believe in yourself, those people walk to the left. And when you believe in what you're doing, those people walk to the right because you want people to see what you're capable of. And, you know, there was a time in my life when I'd walk as far to the left as I could because I was ashamed of how I was hitting the ball. And. You know, it's all part of what we've been talking about, Chris. It's all part of, you know, taking care of your business instead of everybody else's business. And, um, you know, I I wouldn't call it a pecking order, so to speak. It's just who you believe you are at the time.
0: Hal, one more before I let you go, and I want to dip one more time back into the the 2,000 players. Because I think... Most of us, when we look at and we're watching it on TV, one of the scariest shots for anybody is being on that tee on 17. Now, let's ramp that up about a 1,000%, and you've got a one-stroke lead in the tournament in the final round, and you're playing against Tiger Woods. What's it like trying to draw that club back on that hole in that situation? I faced
1: that hole twice in my life when I was had a chance to win.
0: 1983
1: was a completely different set of circumstances. It was about five or six of us tied for the lead. And I hit the ball at the flag, hit it six inches, and separated myself from the people because why? I wanted to win. I didn't want to finish second. So then fast forward to 2000, I was in a different set of circumstances. I had a one-shot lead, and Tiger was the trailer trying to catch me. And when he teed off, he hit it right at the flag. He was trying to win. And he actually didn't hit it very good, and it barely cleared the water. It was actually just barely over the piling and into the deep rough. And, of course, I didn't have anything to prove. I had a one-shot lead, so I hit it in the center of the green with about a 25-foot putt for par. And as you could see this last week, that's not an easy two-putt. I, I I hit as good a putt as I could hit, and still went about three feet by. And, you know, which those are knee knockers when you're trying to sustain the lead. But anyway, uh, you know, when you get to that point, you're trying to win a golf tournament. And I'm not sure that that shot was any different than any other time because it was just, as far as I was concerned, it was me and Freddie and Tiger and Stevie. His caddy. That's all that was out there. It was just us duking it out with each other. So, you know, I I never tried to look at the size or the enormity of what I was trying to do. I tried to stay in the moment the best I could. And uh, fortunately, I was able to there.
0: How, before I let you go, remind our listeners about your wonderful academy down there in Houston. Uh, Again, about your podcast and how they can stay up to date with all the great things you're doing.
1: Well, it's house hunting the uh golf, uh all the way around and uh Be the Right Club Today podcast. Um and you can get that on, you know, Apple, Spotify, YouTube. Uh you know, we're just Chase and I are just doing what we know how to do, which is love the game and love the people that we're trying to help. And uh you know, if you get in the Houston area and you wanna come by and see us, uh we're very near a champions golf club and uh Uh, love to help anybody that comes around.
0: Hal, I can't thank you enough for coming back and be a part of the show. Um, You're a treasure, my friend, and uh, it has been a huge blessing getting to know you over the last year and and watch as you've grown that academy and and, uh, obviously now doing a wonderful job on the podcast and and I can't thank you enough for what you've meant to me in this show. You're uh, you're a true treasure, my
1: friend. Well, thanks, Chris, and you know, for all those that don't know, Chris is so good to everybody that comes on his show, and he's so kind and so grateful and humble. And uh, I'm always a, a yes at the other end of the phone when you when you call and ask, Chris.
0: Well, I appreciate that very much, Hal. Thank you again for tonight and uh, and everything you do, and I look forward to catching up with you again, hopefully real soon.
1: Okay. Take care, Chris.
0: Stay safe. See you, Hal. That's a great Hal Sutton. Play to win. I love how he how he put that, you know I mean, we've heard that forever, but to hear it in the stories and in you know what you need to do in order if you you don't want to be second, here's what you you need to do to be first, and uh Hal certainly did that a bunch throughout his career, and uh a more first class individual folks, you will not find.